Hello, I'm Steve, the retired criminal investigator with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, the Federal Law Enforcement Agency of the United States Air Force. I'm Hannah, the amateur true crime enthusiast. I've been fascinated with my dad's job, and I love starting conversations with him to learn more. Join us each week as we share these conversations with you and discuss a real criminal case that piques our interest. Hello! Welcome back, True Crime Archives. Oh man, this does sound better, huh? Welcome back to True Crime Archives. Yes, yes. Sorry. Welcome back to the archivists. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I guess my grammar isn't that great (laughs) when it's saying hello. Just say, welcome back, archivists. That's that's what we'll call them. Why don't you do it then? Okay, all right. Well, here we are again. I'm the one that does it every week. (laughs) Yes, here we are again. Yay, Awesome. What do, we, what do we got today? So today is our fifth and final episode, so to speak, of the United Data Connect and Metro Denver Crime Stoppers collaboration. Yes. Five cases we did. Yes. So as a reminder, these are two private companies that joined together to work to solve some cold cases. And these are the five that we're talking about that they solved not these are not the only five but right and this this one is um the murder of rebecca becky and redeker mm-hmm. and it's actually so much this is going to be more of like a jane doe conversation like we had before this is unfortunately going to be an unsolved case this is you know this is an an open investigation mm-hmm. good news for everybody we have something new we we actually we talked with Mitch Morrissey, if you've been listening to these episodes, he's the chief of operations for United Data Connection, former district attorney Connect. in, in uh, I'm sorry, United Data, United Connect. Data Connect. Oh, I made a mistake there. United Data Connect. He's the former district attorney in, in Denver. And we talked, Hannah and I talked with him. So We had uh, the pleasure of speaking with him tonight. Yes. It was a great conversation. He taught us a lot about not only genetic genealogy but familial searching which right. there's actually a difference and a lot of these cases are actually familial searching and not genetic genealogy right. but unfortunately the n- the media and the news and you know these journalists aren't really educated on the difference so when they're doing their reporting they're just going to say genetic genealogy and it's not always the case and our intent is not to you know, our intent just to, to share with you guys the conversations that we have, but our intent is not to make a mistake and 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 misquote or talk about something. Uh, so yeah, we just wanted to mention that right up front that there is a difference between genealogy, genetic genealogy, and familial searches. Yeah, it was it was pretty interesting to hear, and we you know we want to give the correct information, especially when we're talking about these companies that this is what they're doing. We want to make sure that everyone has the correct information. So we'll we'll talk a, a little bit about what uh, our conversation with him was like, and then maybe even for a future episode, have him come on the podcast to talk to you guys yes. and you know teach everyone else a little bit more because this is some interesting stuff. And I know a lot of you have said that you enjoy the genetic genealogy cases that we do. Uh, so going forward, we'll be able to have like a clear distinction between mm-hmm. that and the familial searching. And you gave us some information on the on the the case we're going to talk about today. Some information that you may not be able to get in, in the media. It just it's a neat little part to the story. So we'll get there. All right. Right. But it is going to be an ongoing investigation. So keep that in mind too. And I'll have 
I believe I have the information at the end. I do have some phone numbers for you guys if anyone knows any information. Okay, good. We'll get there to the end. So I'm just going to jump right into it. Yep, go for it. Okay, so... Let's peel back that onion. (laughs) So, do you know, I heard someone else say that the other day and I totally forgot to tell you. Oh, yeah? But I heard it somewhere and I think it was another podcast, but not in like the same context, but it was they were saying it and it made me think of... (laughs) (laughs) Made me laugh. So on June 15th, 1993, a hiker came across a makeshift campsite at what is known as the Rainbow Falls Campground in the Pike San Isabel Isabel National Forest, which is right off of Highway 67. And again, we're in Denver, Colorado. We're in Colorado. If I think I forgot to mention that all of these cases are taking place in Colorado. Now, the... Hiker discovers this makeshift campsite and actually discovers the body of a young woman. Now, police believe that this campsite was the dumping site and not where the crime occurred. So when police arrive and they start their investigation, that's the conclusion that they kind of come to, that it was the dumping site and not the... And I hate that word. I'm sorry. I hate no, that term. No, I, I get it. That's tough but for that the investigator, too, because right. what, evidence do you, what evidence do you collect? You go kind of go in there with a confirmation bias and you may be apt to not collect evidence because you think it was just the you know the the location where they disposed of the body even though you know the bad guy could have been dropping the body off there and dropped the cigarette butt at the same time right and now it said makeshift campsite so it didn't really elaborate on that yeah not sure what type of like how they came to that conclusion makeshift campsite I don't know what that looks mm-hmm. like. Maybe like a makeshift tent, not yeah. like an actual tent or something. Yeah, that is weird. She, They estimate her to be between 15 and 19 years old. And they, you know, they obviously start their investigation with collecting evidence and everything. They do a forensic examination. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. That's wha- later. Never mind. What, what year was this that. again? Well, I'm sorry. What 1993. 93. Okay. All right. Yeah. So they do. Um, so that's 20... What? 27, 26 years. No, not 26. 93? No, I'm sorry. It's older than that because I'm turning goodness 27. Gracious. Yeah, you're, I'm thinking. So 29. I'm th- 29 years. 29 years. Yes, yes, yes. I, I was trying to correlate it to your birthday for some strange <laughs> reason. And I'm like, I was born 95. No, your mother and I got married in 93. So never mind. That's oh, so you were yeah, admitting on the podcast <laughs> that you don't know how long you've been married <laughs> yeah, to your wife? We sure did. did I sure <laughs> did, didn't I? I? I confused my anniversary with your birthday. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, Just never mind. Can't m- wait to tell her for, that one. Forget about, forget. all right, never mind. Move forward. Back to what I said. I almost misspoke 30 years. anyway. Yes, it's almost 30 years. So they believe that she's 15, anywhere between 15 and 19 years old. Uh, they do tried to determine if there was a sexual assault because she was found with just a Tarly Davidson t-shirt on. She's nude from, you know, from the shirt down. Mm-hmm. They're unable to determine that she was sexually assaulted, but they're not ruling it out. So there was no like forensic DNA left. There was no like apparent trauma. Um, there was no trace of drugs found in her body. So they do, you know, the autopsy. The and toxicology, right? Right. No trace of drugs found in her body. So no other clothes, there's no other clothes around or dumped or anything. She's just naked except for the shirt. Right. And she had a couple pieces of jewelry on. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. And again, this is an open investigation. So it's an open 
homicide investigation. Mm-hmm. So any of the yeah, other we'll evidence that, that yeah. they did collect, it was not readily available to me. Mm-hmm. And then in the press release that I watched, he mm-hmm. they, the sheriff was kind of tight-lipped on stuff. So all I have really is like a makeshift campsite and then what she was wearing and the Right, because stuff. It, as, as you said earlier, really this case is about they didn't know who they had at first. Right, they didn't know who the victim was. Right, so they're trying to identify her. They do run her fingerprints, um, but that it comes back with nothing. They're not able to identify her. They say that sh- they believe, so police believe that she was taken care of before her death because she was healthy. There was no sign of like disease or anything oh, else. Yeah, mm-hmm. So they think that she was well taken care of, mm-hmm. which is interesting because I'll just let you know now, the police also believe, now that we do know who she is, the police also believe that she was homeless at the time of her death. So... It had to have yeah. been a more recent homelessness. Right. They, they, wow. How they get to yeah. that conclusion, they're definitely not revealing some things. Hmm. Right. Now, you could, that's fine. You could be, but actually, that's not a big deal, I, I suppose. You could be, you could have grown up okay and been healthy, been taken care of, been in a sort of a wealthy family, and and then decide to up and leave. Right. And go out on your own, and and you end up end up homeless. So where we where, this is the area that she grew up in, though. Oh uh, yes, close to this area. Yeah, that's, I have that in my later notes. I'm sorry. So then, th- that's ahead. a possibility. You know, it was close to the area where she grew okay. up. Yes. All right. Well, that's interesting. She, uh, well, where she had been living, she had been living in a lots okay. of areas in Colorado. You're jumping ahead now, though. So let's get back to the. the yeah. When well, you asked me the question, I'm like, wait a minute, it's in my notes. Right, but you you'd said that that that's what they now believe. But let's right. go back to the investigation. So they're they're okay. And I said her body was found on June 15th, 1993. Now, mm-hmm. at the time that this the police start their investigation, uh, really one of the only things they really kind of have to go on is that on June 12th, the 12th through the 13th, there had been a Vietnam Vets Motorcycle Club convention super close by, like right around the corner from where she was found. However, they were unable to come to the conclusion if she was connected to the group or not. However, she was wearing a Harley Harley Davidson t-shirt. I would like to point that out. You know, it's it's not evidence. It just... Right. It just painting a picture for it's you it's a coincidence yeah no or well, like a I, I mean how close was that convention it didn't say specifically but it's it was like super super close like enough for them to look into it and they couldn't determine yeah. if she was connected so i think it sounds like they went and looked into it mm. but they weren't able to like really come up with anyone that was willing to say if they'd seen her or wow. knew her or anything okay. yeah so that's kind of like the last thing that they really have and they they don't know how they can't identify her so what did they have for evidence at that time just the t-shirt and some jewelry some of her jewelry no no sex assault data they weren't yeah they there's no forensic dna there was no signs of trauma but they did specifically say that they weren't going to like they weren't able to rule out any other type of sexual assault so like based off of what mitch morrissey said to us and based off of what the jane doe network says there seems to have been some kind of blunt force trauma. Okay. However, the sheriff, Tony Spurlock, is on record saying that there is no current cause of death. Okay, that's now. The current sheriff says that. Yes. So and it, that's as of it is no longer a Jane Doe, it's a homicide. What do we know that the autopsy says? All it said that the t- autopsy said was there was no trace of drugs and um, they weren't able to come up with like a cause of death. But... Uh, based off of what Mitch Morrissey said, he what did he say? It, so- it sounded like there was like maybe she had fallen, 
and right. hit her head. Th- there was there was something. Yeah, we're getting ahead. Right. Okay. Well, we'll you, get. You we'll, yeah, we'll get again. there. Well, no, I want to know what the. So this is weird. So there was no like. The, the, the I'm going to go off seems of what the. A little bit. Right. I'm g- and again, we don't have all of the information, right, but I'm yeah. going to go off of what the sheriff is saying currently, present day, mm-hmm. as to not mess with an investigation. He's saying there's no cause of death. Yeah. Okay. All right. So and there was no drugs found in her body. So she it, was healthy, is what they, it said. That's what the autopsy revealed: is she was healthy. Okay, and no cause of death. Right. Wow. So it went cold. Yeah. So now it's going to go cold. We don't okay. really have anything he did now the tony spurlock the sheriff he does kind of make a few comments about the way she was found so like with the blunt force trauma it it sounds like maybe it was on her head somewhere and it was kind of making it harder to identify her Mm -hmm. and that she that she was unidentifiable basically based on the way that she was found so that's another reason they're not really able to identify her too Wow. Okay. So possibly fell and hit that, her head. Yeah, or she that was, was beaten in so the face. that must have been frustrating for the investigators at at the time. Okay. So yes, the case goes cold. So okay, let's look at that for a second. Investigators have a young female, with just a t-shirt on, a couple pieces of jewelry, at a location that they considered to be a makeshift campsite. That was in close proximity of a motorcycle rally or some sort of convention. And a highway. And a highway. And they believe that it's the dump site, which we're missing a piece there. Uh, I'd like to know why they believe that. And they have an autopsy that says she was in great physical health and no... No drugs, no sexual assault as far as right, they can see. Right, no sexual assault. So there was no cause of death. And that's it. That's that's what they have. I feel like if so, if the sheriff is saying that her body was unidentifiable because of maybe her face mm-hmm. or her head, maybe there wasn't any blood where she was found, yeah, yeah. and that's why they think it was a dumping site. That's a possibility. That's good. That would that's be. But again, I don't know how her how she was. We don't mm-hmm. we don't know to the okay. extent because they're keeping that to themselves. All right. So then in 2012, now I will say, again, I mentioned that they believe that she's between 15 and 19 years old. Now, over the years, they're going to perform uh, or they're going to have forensic examinations done to try and determine her appearance. I do have those pictures. Oh, the profile? I can post them. What do we call that? um, They do a phenotype. Phenotype, yeah. They do, but they they did the clay thing. Remember, Uh, we talked about the the FBI back in the the day did that. The anthropologist. Yes, they did. They, I literally have a whole website page of the pictures that they've come up with over the years of what this mm-hmm. Jane Doe would look like. Okay. So I can I can post those and How show close, you guys. How close was it? Honestly, I think it was pretty close. Good. That's good. I was okay. looking at the, the picture of All her right. and I was like, ooh, How, they well, did a good when job. When did they do that? What's the first time they did that? How many years they, later? That is unclear. But it said over the years they did that. Okay. Though. So then they and must there's have, a lot of them. So then they put those posters out there, the yeah, pictures yeah, yeah. out there, sketches out there. Said, "Do you know this person?" So they're trying to yeah. they're trying to identify yes this Jane Doe right now. Okay, because so that was going to be my question to you: Can you work a homicide investigation without knowing the victim? Is it, you can't? Can you do it's, both? It's it's harder. They can't work this one at all because they don't have any anymore. They were working it, right? But they they don't have any evidence. They don't have any leads. 
So they were working. They were working it. They were analyzing the crime scene. They were uh, probably interviewing some people at that convention, and they did the autopsy. Right, that's the death investigation portion of it. They did everything they could, and and they had no more leads. So they they it goes cold. Mm -hmm. But you can yes, if they had leads, they can continue. You can continue and, and investigate it. But it certainly is hard because what you lack is background data right. of the victim, right? Because if you know who the victim is, then you could, which in our cases we're usually talking about women, then you could look at previous boyfriends, husbands, you know, who else did you associate with? Were you on drugs? And then who's your drug connection? Th those kind of things. It, it provides you with leads once you know who the person is. You know, then maybe you go, you get mental health records, maybe school records, and maybe talk to co-workers or, or colleagues and you learn that there was some depression, some mental, illness, mental illness that might lead you to, to believe that there was suicide, something like that. So do you see how right. you lose a lot of of leads, but you, you technically can still investigate it, but you're going you're gonna to fall short really fast. Right. Well, and it becomes a cold case, right? Right. Yeah. And that's what happens in this case. Um, however, in 2012... Uh, they actually exhumed her body. The sheriff's department exhumes her body to collect further DNA to do updated DNA testing. Uh, you're right. That makes sense. 93 to, you know. 2012. 2012. Yeah, right? which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. And then in 2020, detectives received a tip about the identity of the Jane Doe. That was very mysterious in all of my, again, this is going to be an open investigation, so they're kind of keeping things to themselves. Sure. All I could find is that they received a tip. Um, and then with the help of United Data Connect, they used the... Okay, now I don't... These five cases, United Data Connect used genealogy. Is that what he said? Yes, in these five cases, yes. Are you sure? Yep. Okay. So with the help of United Data Connect, they used genetic genealogy to identify their Jane Doe as Rebecca Ann Redeker. Her family called her Becky. Mm -hmm. So she, she went by Becky. So the sheriff, Tony Spurlock, in the press release, he only calls her Becky. Mm -hmm. So that's why I, at the beginning uh, I said He Becky. probably has a, a, you know, has developed a relationship with the family and that's what they call her. You know, that's probably what she wanted to be called. Maybe that's what she went by, they learned, and that, that makes sense. Call her Becky, you know? Right. Because it personalizes it and somebody out there, might, who knows? Yeah, and then they were able to uh, get pictures of her from mm -hmm. her family. So like a lot of the pictures ah, that they have. Her family. That's that's the only thing the news said. The, the, the news, the journalist, the, the, the article said. Yes. So we can talk about that right now because yeah. the next thing. So yes. the, you want to talk about it? Yeah, sure. So uh, Mitch Morrissey had talked about this with us a little bit. And this one was sort of. Uh, close to his heart because he he really encouraged his team to dig deep and and continue uh, research because what happened was they found the biologic father and they of this Jane Doe of, of the Rebecca. Jane Doe through genealogy and they approached him and he said look Vietnam vet when I returned from Vietnam I had many many one night stands and. There was a rumor that maybe somebody who I was with was pregnant, and they left and went to uh, Colorado. And I'd love to help you, but 
but I can't. So he his kid, he was willing to help, but he just he does he doesn't even know that he had a daughter. Right. So they said, okay. It ended up being a dead end. Yeah, dead end. Oh, okay. So they they identified the biological mother. Well, as it turns out there, more sort of sad news that the mother was an unfit parent, so they uh, the the state took the child Becky. Uh, took Becky away from her at like a young, young a, age at a very very like, yeah. y- young age. So dead end. I mean, this is the biological parent. So they were thinking, you know, Dedek Neck was thinking, wow, this could possibly it. But Mitch Morrissey encouraged his team and said, listen, somebody cares about this this girl. Somebody loves this girl. Track it down, find it. And they looked through adoption records and things like that. He said it was very, very tough, but they were actually able to identify the parents, her parents. Yep. And then learn more about her, get pictures, that that kind of thing. Yep. And that's kind of where it ended with the whole genetic genealogy thing. So they have her identified, and now they are working it as an open investigation. So if we go back to your question about can you investigate if you don't have uh, the, the Jane Doe, if you don't have the mm. name? Well, now we have the name, so all those things I just talked about are possible with this lead. They, they, they probably have, have sat with these mm-hmm. parents who were probably just like over the moon, just distraught, just, you know, but maybe have some hope now. And they probably learned about her, who she was, boyfriends, girlfriends, you know, colleagues, workers, th- things like that. They probably developed sort of some sort of profile and and are tracking down leads from now having additional information on who she is. Right. And that's what he said. He did say that it, they were treating it as an active homicide. Correct. Case. He said we're going to treat it. Ju- and he is in, I'm sorry, uh, Tony... The sheriff. the sheriff. He said, we're treating this as if this just happened. I've because talked essentially about that. to them, it did. Right. I talked about that in the past. You Any any death that is either unattended by a physician, like terminal cancer, things mm-hmm. like that, or that isn't apparent, like a, a six-car pileup rollover or something, you have to investigate until you prove it's not suspect. Right. I d- and I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that you for like sick family members too no no sick family no well like if you don't have uh, other things um intervened like other medical things and someone passes you have to get law enforcement involved well someone just passes at home so if somebody passes at home the police will show up right and then but the body would be taken to the hospital but immediately you know there might be an autopsy you know there's a death investigator right Right. the coroner or the the coroner or the um medical examiner jumps in right away and and you you'll know like if it's a medical situation they usually know those right away suicide is almost apparent but you still have to take some steps to right to really confirm that you know because there is the possibility that a uh, a homicide can be made to look like a suicide right but but yes if somebody is just passed away in their house, nobody's been around. There's no witnesses. There's going to be the medical examiner is probably going to do an autopsy. Right. That's what I'm saying. I yeah, didn't realize to get a cause that, of death. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. I mean, makes sense. So there's kind of, you know, we used to say there's two investigations going on, but I think it's the mm-hmm. collaboration. You have the medical examiner, and then you have the criminal investigator. Right. 
But sometimes, like, hand in hand. I, I remember the time, I remember times that we would just, we waited to get the medical examiners. You know, we you collect all the evidence. So when you arrive to a death scene, you collect, you preserve it, you collect all the evidence. Then the medical examiner says suicide or accidental or or uh, natural causes or, or what have you. Then we can start disposing of all the evidence and close our case. But you kind of wait for them a lot of times. Yeah. Unless, you know, sometimes you show up and there's a guy laying there and his throat's cut three times, you know. Yeah. That kind of thing. Okay. Makes sense. In the press conference or press release with the sheriff, Tony Spurlock, he also goes on to say that they believe that her body had been in the field for in, in that campsite for no more than 72 hours. I forgot to mm-hmm. mention that earlier. And then this is where he says that the cause of death is undetermined. So, again, that's what we're going to go with because that was the present day what he says. Mm-hmm. Um, th- he does also say that they had an int- extensive crime scene. So I'm assuming there had to have been more de- yeah, evidence I, collected. I, they, they probably, it sounds like they're just being secretive, yeah. which is better than assuming that they didn't do a good job. Yeah. But it sounds like they probably just picked a, a determinate uh, perimeter and collected everything that, that was there. Yeah. And he which, was- which is if they did that, hats off. Pretty good. It you know? sounds like it. Because that's labor intensive. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it, especially if it was a makeshift campsite. Can mm-hmm. you imagine if there was like, especially with the motorcycle group, like beer cans, so other he- things, here's a good point, food, right? Here's trash. a good point. You collect all the evidence. And let's say there's tons of beer cans, bottles of alcohol, empty, whatever. And you collect those. And then the medical examiner says... Nothing in her system at all. Mm-hmm. Very healthy. Hmm. Okay, that either confirms that it's a dump site or it confirms there were other people there. You know, th- those those kind of things. What we don't know is if they have unknown DNA. Right. Right. I, I don't know. I feel like we would have that by now. I don't know. They're being pretty secretive. I, I think feel like we would have that right I now. I feel like that's smart, though. Like, first of all, it took this long, how many years, to identify her? So I would keep... Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you want to keep everything super tight-lipped about? Yeah, yeah. That's w- to be honest with you, all we should not be able to talk about any cases. They should all be uh, yeah. tight-lipped. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I agree. Okay, all right. <laughs> I agree, but oh, wait, your case agent, you get ticked off when yeah. when people know about your case. I imagine I watch. I've seen like press conferences, press releases, yeah. and I see how the media, the media, they're very much just TM in general, like TMZ, how they report right. on people's deaths before the family even. No, that's like, yeah, that's just, it's just now, the media in, in general, how but they I, operate. It seems like more and more police departments are doing more press releases. I, I think that shows transparency. You know, th- there's a lot of reasons why they do that now. And they probably yeah. do it in conjunction with, with family members too, you know. You know, some people are afraid, but it, it, it puts the bad guy on, on notice. And yeah. bad guys start acting up and doing stupid things that draw attention to right. them. You know, oh, crap, right. I got to get out of here. They're going to be on to me. What would you say? Oh. Yeah. And, and then someone turns them in. You know what I mean? The, just You just never know. So. That's the hope. Yeah, sure. All right. So, and the sheriff was, just quick little note, he was actually a deputy at the time that her body was found, so he oh, yeah. he w- talked fondly. Yeah, We he like was, these cases. We have a couple of them where they, they have personal interest for 20 years or whatever. Yeah. 
She so you asked me earlier. So she actually lived in Colorado Springs. Rebecca Becky. Mm-hmm. She lived in Colorado Springs in the early nineties. She lived and went to high school at Manitou Springs in Manitou yeah, Springs I know what that. between eighty five and eighty eight, and then she ended at Cor- Coronado High School in eighty nine. Which mm-hmm. where did mom go? Didn't she go there? No, mom's from Denver, not Colorado Springs. Oh, is this different? Yeah, Colorado Springs. Coronado sounds familiar, though. Oh, is that in Colorado Springs, or is that when she went? No, Colorado Springs, right? Well, she was in Colorado Springs in the early 90s. Yeah. But then in the... Where's Coronado? I feel like Coronado is... Colorado Springs. Oh, is it Colorado Springs? I don't yeah. know why. It sounded familiar Co- to me. Colorado Springs. So that's that's in Colorado Springs. And her mom and brother are still al- alive. Mm-hmm. So they were... They were the ones that provided uh, law enforcement with pictures and so everything. So that's interesting uh, because this she was found in Denver, right? Mm-hmm. So she could have said, okay, I'm moving off to the big city and gets there, doesn't really have a dime, or maybe spends all her money, doesn't have an apartment, and ends up at the very, very beginning stage of being homeless. Right, you know which what I, mean? I think is why they came to that conclusion. Yeah, you know, and there's a makeshift campsite. You, you know, this is... They probably have some good background now at this point. They probably do. Yeah. I imagine it's going to. You know, and and that's between the her parents and, and the sheriff because they need to they yeah. need to work through this. Right. So, again, the main point, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to talk about this one, too, is it's an ongoing investigation and mm-hmm. they need any s- sort of help. So if you guys have any, if you or anyone you know has any information related to Becky and her murder or her disappearance, Mm -hmm. if you knew her or saw her at the time, if you knew of any circumstances, really any information, even if you think it's like not important, it is important, you can contact the Douglas County Sheriff's Office at 303-784-7815 or you can go to the Metro Denver Crime Stoppers website and they also have a phone number at 720-913-7867 and I'll post those numbers to all of the social media also and so that is the most important part (laughs) of this episode today. So that was really it for today's now, information. one of the things we learned, and we want to encourage everybody to kind of research and pay attention to this and, and look it up some more. We'll talk some more about it. But apparently, so Hannah mentioned it. So there's two different, there's genetic genealogy. I was going to talk about that too. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then there's familial, familial searching. searching. And the interesting thing about the familial searching is that's, according to, to Mitch, that should be the first step. And you don't have to go any further than CODIS to do that. There's software, software there's software that you, you can use to, to It's his software. It's, it's, software, it's, right? it's his yeah, it's yeah. it's United Data Connect software you can use to do the search and and it and it takes you it's familial searches. It doesn't go to It's co- first degree related. First degree related. So like brother, yes. father yes. all of that. So and then genetic genealogy is is a little bit a little bit different. That's the genome sequencing, mm-hmm. and that's that takes you farther into your your family mm-hmm. tree. So every time we've talked about like yeah, the family trees coming up with like the third and fourth cousin, right. that was right. the genetic genealogy. And actually, he told us that with the you know we always talk we go back to the Golden State Killer. They did in fact try familial searching first mm-hmm. in that case, and right. that unfortunately led to nothing. Because the cool thing with that is. So if your first degree related, you know, brother or father 
is in CODIS, that's where it will hit. Mm-hmm. Where it won't hit is if they're not. So if they're not right. a registered, you know, criminal in some way, if they're not in that system. Mm-hmm. So I think that was pretty, pretty interesting. And the the thing to stress and like the important part is the difference between the two Mm -hmm. and to know the difference and to really have the correct and proper information. Mm -hmm. And that was a lot of what we got out of our conversation Mm -hmm. with him. And I really enjoyed. Sure. I I did learning, you know, and some States do not like familial search searching. And if you remember, we talked about, we talked about the two States, Montana and Maryland Mm -hmm. Maryland is actually familial searching is illegal mm-hmm. in Maryland. So I thought that was crazy when we were talking about that. I was like, mm-hmm. wow. And then, you know, the other thing he talked about, too, was to really understand what genetic genealogy is and familiar ser- familial searching when it comes to like your privacy. You know, a lot of people are scared of it. And that was the conversation between those two laws with about your privacy and being educated on what it is is what's going to stop that fear Mm -hmm. and just be able to allow us to solve cases like at the end of the day that's what this is about right is they are wanting to they're not wanting to hunt you down and Mm -hmm. like stalk you and control your life they're wanting to solve these cases and bring justice for these these victims and these families he did confirm for us too that not everything is a win because we've been talking about these cases and and I had been questioning whether this is sort of like a hundred percent science. Is it is it really that good that it solves everything? Well, no. We happen to be grabbing all the cases that were successful, but they're. I'm they're, also they're, grabbing. For, yeah. We're also grabbing from the news right, too. Right. Right. So there there are some that unfortunately just just don't don't get solved, but it's it's a pretty good tool for law enforcement. Right. And we talked. You remember we talked about Helene Przinsky. And he actually mentioned that they had received that one from Parabon Nanolabs and they were, it kind of stopped with them. They mm-hmm. were unable to continue further. And that's another thing he talked about was they spend a lot of time on these cases. Mm-hmm. Like his company has a little bit more time to work for these, these cases and they mm-hmm. really care. They're really there for the victims and bringing justice for them, which I thought was yeah. really awesome. All right. Look for the future. Maybe we'll, we'll have him on as a guest. Yeah. So that was it for this week's episode and for this whole collaboration. However, I will say he did talk to us about some other cases and he suggested, you know, more of the familial searches so we can give you guys the, you know, proper information and more information on that. So, you know, coming for going forward, we're going to look into some of that too. So mm-hmm. while this is the end of this specific series that we covered, it's not going to be the end of us talking about United Data Connect good, and good job, going yep. forward. Thank you guys so much for listening. Go ahead and if you like listening to us, if you've enjoyed the series, please go and give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also do that on Anchor too. And you can follow us on Instagram at True Crime Archives Podcast. And then we're on Twitter at TC Archives Pod. And that's where I'll put like all the updated information, any of the stuff from the episodes that we talked about. And I think that... Aren't we on TikTok? Yeah, but I... <laughs> We haven't gotten a hold of TikTok yet. Okay. You can follow us. We're, we're I'm working on it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. All right. We're on TikTok at what was TikTok? True Crime Archives podcast. <laughs> See, look, oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me open my phone real quick. Oh. Well, sorry on, for on, me on. being efficient. It's True Crime Archives pod okay. on, tic- on TikTok. Right. We're okay. I'm we're going to put some stuff out there. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> All right, and we will talk to you guys next week. Later. Bye.